Section 8 of With Fire and Sword. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Asterix. With Fire and Sword by Samuel H. M. Byers. Section 8. My time has probably come now, I said to myself, and with a little bit of disgust i thought of the utter uselessness of being killed there without even firing a shot in self-defence the suspense the anxiety was indeed becoming fearfully intense soon general grant quietly climbed upon his horse looked at us once and as quietly rode away then the colonel came along the line with a word to each officer as he came near me, he called me from the ranks and said, I want you to act as sergeant major of the regiment in this battle. I was surprised, but indeed very proud of this mark of confidence in me. Hurry to the left, he continued. Order the men to fix bayonets. Quick! I ran as told, shouting at the top of my voice, Fix bayonets! Fix bayonets! I was not quite to the left when I heard other voices yelling, Forward! Quick! Double! Quick! Forward! and the line was already on the run toward the rebels i kept up my shouting fix bayonets for by some blunder the order had not been given in time and now the men were trying to get their bayonets in place while running we were met in a minute by a storm of bullets from the wood but the lines in blue kept steadily on as would a storm of wind and cloud moving among the treetops now we met almost whole companies of wounded, defeated men from the other division, hurrying by us, and they held up their bleeding and mangled hands to show us they had not been cowards. They had lost twelve hundred men on the spot we were about to occupy. Some of them were laughing even, and yelling at us, Wade in and give em hell. We were wading in faster than I am telling the story. On the edge of a low ridge we saw a solid wall of men in grey, their muskets at their shoulders blazing into our faces, and their batteries of artillery roaring as if it were the end of the world. Bravely they stood there. They seemed little over a hundred yards away. There was no charging further by our line. We halted. The two lines stood still, and for over an hour we loaded our guns and killed each other as fast as we could. The firing and the noise were simply appalling. Now I was not scared. The first shot I fired seemed to take all my fear away, and give me courage enough to calmly load my musket at the muzzle and fire it forty times. Others, with more cartridges, fired possibly oftener still. Some of the regiments in that bloody line were resupplied with cartridges from the boxes of the dead. In a moment I saw Captain Lindsay throw up his arms, spring upward, and fall dead in his tracks. Corporal McCulley was struck in the face by a shell. The blood covered him all over, but he kept on firing. Lieutenant Darling dropped dead, and other officers near me fell wounded. I could not see far to left or right. The smoke of battle was covering everything. I saw bodies of our men lying near me without knowing who they were, though some of them were my messmates in the morning. The rebels in front we could not see at all. We simply fired at their lines by guess, and occasionally the blaze of their guns showed exactly where they stood. They kept their line like a wall of fire. When I fired my first shot, I had resolved to aim at somebody or something, 
as long as I could see, and a dozen times I tried to bring down an officer I dimly saw on a grey horse before me. Pretty soon a musket ball struck me fair in the breast. I am dead now, I said, almost aloud. It felt as if someone had struck me with a club. I stepped back a few paces and sat down on a log to finish up with the world. Other wounded men were there, covered with blood, and some were lying by me dead. I spoke to no one. It would have been useless. Thunder could scarcely have been heard at that moment. My emotions I have almost forgotten. I remember only that something said to me, It is honourable to die so. I had not a thought of friends or of home or of religion. The stupendous things going on around me filled my mind. On getting my breath a little, I found I was not hurt at all, simply stunned. The obliquely fired bullet had struck the heavy leather of my cartridge belt and glanced away. I picked up my gun, stepped back into the line of battle, and in a moment was shot through the hand. The wound did not hurt. I was too excited for that. The awful roar of battle now grew more terrific, if possible. I wonder that a man on either side was left alive. Biting the ends of my cartridges, my mouth was filled with gunpowder. The thirst was intolerable. Every soldier's face was black as a negro's, and, with some, blood from wounds trickled down over the blackness, giving them a horrible look. Once a boy from another part of the line to our left ran up to me, crying out, My regiment is gone. What shall I do? There was now a little moment's lull in the howling noise. Something was going on. Blaze away right here, I said to the boy, and he commenced firing like a veteran. Then I heard one of our own line cry, My God, they're flanking us. I looked to where the boy had come from. His regiment had indeed given way. The rebels had poured through the gap and were already firing into our rear and yelling to us to surrender. In a moment we would be surrounded. It was surrender or try to get back past them. I ran like a racehorse. So did the left of the regiment, amid a storm of bullets and yells and curses. I saved my musket, anyway. I think all did that. But that half-mile race through a hot Mississippi sun, with bullets and cannonballs ploughing the fields behind us, will never be forgotten. My lungs seemed to be burning up. Once I saw our regimental flag lying by a log, the colour-bearer wounded or dead. I cried to a comrade flying near me, Duncan Teeter, it is a shame, the 5th Iowa running. Only the day before, Teeter had been reduced to the ranks for some offence or other. He picked up the flag and with a great oath dared me to stop and defend it. For a moment we two tried to rally to the flag, the men who were running by. We might as well have yelled to a Kansas cyclone. Then Captain John Tate, rushing by, saw us, stopped, and, recognizing the brave deed of Corporal Teeter, promoted him on the spot. But the incoming storm was irresistible, and, carrying the flag, we all again hurried rearward. We had scarcely passed the spot where I had seen Grant mount his horse before the charge, when a whole line of Union cannon loaded to the muzzle with grape-shot and canister, opened on the howling mob that was pursuing us. The rebels instantly halted, and now again it seemed our turn. 
a few minutes rest for breath and our reformed lines once more dashed into the woods in half an hour the battle of champion hills was won and the victorious union army was shortly in a position to compel the surrender of the key to the mississippi river grant's crown of immortality was won and the jewel that shone most brightly in it was set there by the blood of the men of champion hills had that important battle failed grant's army not pemberton's would have become prisoners of war where then would have been vicksburg spotsylvania richmond appomattox six thousand blue and grey-coated men were lying there in the woods dead or wounded when the last gun of champion hills was fired some of the trees on the battlefield were tall magnolias and many of their limbs were shot away the trees were in full bloom their beautiful blossoms contrasting with the horrible scene of battle besides killing and wounding three thousand of the enemy we had also captured thirty cannon and three thousand prisoners when the troops went off into the road to start in pursuit of the flying enemy i searched over the battlefield for my best friend poor captain pogue with whom i had talked of our northern homes only the night before he lay dead among the leaves a bullet hole in his forehead somebody buried him but i never saw his grave another friend i found dying he begged me only to place him against a tree and with leaves to shut the burning sun away from his face while i was doing this i heard the groaning of a rebel officer who lay helpless in a little ditch he called to me to lift him out as he was shot through both thighs and suffering terribly yes i said as soon as i get my friend here arranged a little comfortably his reply was pathetic yes that's right help your own first i had not meant it so i instantly got to him and with the aid of a comrade pulled him out of the ditch he thanked me and told me he was a lieutenant colonel and had been shot while riding in front of the spot where he lay i eased his position as best i could but all that night with many another wounded soldier blue and grey he was left on the desolate battlefield now i realized how terrible the fire had been about us for some comrades counted two hundred bullet marks on a single oak tree within a few feet of where the left of the regiment had stood loading and firing that awful hour and a half most of the bullets had been fired too high else we had all been killed nearby lay the remains of a rebel battery every horse and most of the cannoneers lay dead in a heap the caissons and the gun carriages torn to pieces by our artillery never in any battle had i seen such a picture of complete annihilation of men animals and material as was the wreck of this battery once the pride of some southern town its young men the loved ones of southern homes lying there dead among their horses that was war some weeks after this battle and after vicksburg had been won my regiment was marched in pursuit of joe johnston and we recrossed this same battlefield we reached it in the night and bivouacked on the very spot where we had fought it was a strange happening our sensations were very unusual for we realized that all about us there in the woods were the graves of our buried comrades and the still unburied bones of many of our foes 
save an occasional hooting owl the woods were sad and silent before we lay down in the leaves to sleep the glee club of company b sang that plaintive song we're tenting to-night on the old campground never was a song sung under sadder circumstances all the night a terrible odour filled the bivouac when daylight came one of the boys came to our company and said go over to that hollow and you will see hell some of us went we looked but once dante himself never conjured anything so horrible as the reality before us after the battle the rebels in their haste had tossed hundreds of their dead into this little ravine and slightly covered them over with earth but the rains had come and the earth was washed away and there stood or lay hundreds of half-decayed corpses some were grinning skeletons some were headless some armless some had their clothes torn away and some were mangled by dogs and wolves the horror of that spectacle followed us for weeks that too was war i have written this random but true sketch of personal recollections of a severe battle because it may help young men who are anxious for adventure and war as i was to first realize what war really is my experiences probably were the same as hundreds of others in that same battle i only tell of what was nearest me a third of my comrades who entered this fight were lost other iowa and other western regiments suffered equally or more general hovey's division had a third of its number slain i have been in what history pronounces greater battles than champion hills but only once did i ever see two lines of blue and grey stand close together and fire into each other's faces for an hour and a half i think the courage of the private soldiers standing in that line of fire for that awful hour and a half gave us vicksburg made grant immortal as a soldier and helped to save this country but i must return to that afternoon of the battle all that could be assembled of our men gathered in line in a road near the field it was nearly dark sergeant campbell walked about making a list of the dead and wounded of company b as i was not now on the company rolls being quartermaster sergeant my name was not put down as one of the wounded nor seeing how many were sadly torn to pieces did i think my wound worth reporting shortly general grant passed us in the road knowing well how the regiment had fought in the battle he rode to where our colours hung over a stack of muskets and saluted them we all jumped to our feet and cheered he spoke a few words to the colonel and rode on into the darkness that night we marched ahead and in the morning bivouacked in the woods as a reserve for troops fighting at the black river bridge there it was that grant reached the crisis of his career while sitting on his horse waiting to witness a charge by lawler's brigade a staff officer overtook him bringing a peremptory order from washington to abandon the campaign and take his army to port hudson to help general banks that moment grant glanced to the right of his lines and saw a dashing officer in his shirt-sleeves suddenly come out of a cluster of woods leading his brigade to the assault it was general lawler and in five minutes the rebel breastworks were carried 
the enemy in flight or drowning in the rapid river then grant turned to the staff officer and simply said see that charge i think it is too late to abandon this campaign the movements that were to make him immortal went on had that order of halleck's written of course without knowledge of the recent victories been followed banks and not grant would have been first commander in the west had lawless charge failed just then and the battle been lost grant could have had no excuse for not obeying the order that staff officer held in his hand directing him to abandon what turned out to be one of the great campaigns of history while sitting there in his saddle at the close of that charge general grant wrote a little note in pencil the original of which is among my treasured souvenirs of the war dear general lawler's brigade stormed the enemy's works a few minutes since carried them capturing from two thousand to three thousand prisoners ten guns so far as heard from and probably more will be found the enemy have fired both bridges a j smith captured ten guns this morning with teams men and ammunition i send you a note from colonel wright yours u s grant m g to major general sherman end of section eight